whether we were irreligious or, or we were people who were unrighteous or if we were even religious people growing up, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Thanks for tuning in to the Putnam City Baptist Church podcast. Our 2019 theme is making disciples as we help our community know God, become family, and impact the world. We hope this message encourages you wherever you might be. If you'd like to learn more about PCBC, visit us online at pcbc.tv. Now, here's Pastor Bill. Well, good morning, PCBC family. We're going to start off in a very different way this morning. You can see I've got my bodyguard here with me this morning. Not that I need a bodyguard with all the social distancing that's happening uh, in our country today, and we're close to the six-foot range, but to stay in camera view, we're going to be right here. You might recognize Lieutenant Reggie Freeman. He is a part of our security detail here at the church. He leads our volunteers and is always a great, great presence. I think you started about a year ago here at PCBC, if I remember right. Yes. Awesome. And you look a little nervous. I wanted you to be comfortable this morning to get ready, so let me just help you out here. Here's a donut to kind of get started there. There you go. Feel more comfortable now? That work? I'm going to love you on camera. <laughs> the old police uh, stereotyping. There we go. Well, you have been a huge blessing to PCBC. We're thrilled that you're here. Now, I know when you got that phone call a year ago, that probably wasn't the most impressive call you've ever received. Tell me what you were thinking when a church reached out to you to, to come and be with us on Sunday mornings. Well, um, initially, my first thought was I didn't really want to take on another job because, you know, I'd been a little tired and... Um, Honestly, the, the pay was a little low, <laughs> yeah, <imagine> and, that. <laughs> um, but my um, one thing that kind of kept nagging at me was I always had a feeling that no one should ever be afraid to go and get their education, and no one should ever be afraid to go and get, to, to go and worship, Amen. and there was a lot of things going on in the world where extremist groups were attacking religious groups and so I felt compelled to do what I could to help so I took the job. Man we, we and we are so blessed for it we're grateful that you're here so you show up at PCBC your first day what was your first impressions what were you thinking and what was that experience like for you? Well my, my first impression was um, it came from Robert at the information center and Robert is such a genuinely nice guy he is and and as a police officer it i get quick reads on people and robert like i said he's such a genuinely nice guy he opened me up to um other people and and i really got a different feeling from people at pcbc and i started to notice the genuineness of people in this church and it wasn't just the genuine niceness of people People in this church were genuine Christians, and they were genuinely not just followers of Christ, but they were actually living, and they were examples of what you thought church goers would were supposed to be. Awesome, awesome. And and, and this was I could tell this was a different type of place. So you hadn't had to cuff anybody yet? You hadn't no, had to take no. anybody off the property? No. Y'all's good? No, this, there, there's this one guy that keep pushing donuts on me. <laughs> I, I might have to get him. There you go. So you've been here about a year now, a little less than a year, and I heard through the grapevine that uh, you wanted to have a different relationship with PCBC. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. At, at some point, you know, 
I had, um, I've been having conversations. Uh, obviously, we have a lot of chaplains here, um, Rodney, Steve Hoskins, and uh, Pastor, Ch Pastor Sean. And I've been having conversations with them. And um, I have a lot of conversation with Pastor Sean about the word. And, and awesome. um, I found myself, every time I have conversations with him, listening to you preach every Sunday, I found myself having a feeling of every time it ended, I just wanted to keep having more and more. I keep wanting that conversation to keep going because I just wasn't full and I kept craving the word and craving the word and craving. And that was the first time I'd had that feeling. Awesome. And between that and the people, some of the people that I've, I've been encountered and interacted with here at the church, I just knew that this was the place to be. And at some point along the line, I realized, you know what, this is not a job anymore. This is just where I want to be. Come on. So, That's good. That is so good. And so we're going to talk about the fact Reggie is going to be one of our new church members. Even during this quarantine, God's still adding to the church, and he will be joining. Uh, he is a believer. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Tell me about your spiritual journey. You started off as a child kind of in the faith, right, and accepted Christ when you were young. Tell us a little bit about yeah, your journey. Yeah, I, um, I was baptized when I was younger. I can't, I can't remember how old I was, maybe 12 or 13 years old, okay. something, something, somewhere around there in a Baptist church, and it was one of those fire and brimstone type churches, mm -hmm. and yeah, that was, uh, that was a different type of experience as I've grown and matured as a person. I've kind of really gotten to know God differently, and it wasn't so much that um, what I grew, what I learned earlier wasn't quite the right way. And I didn't really have the proper understanding. And since I've gotten here, I've gotten so much knowledge from the people here that, I, like I said, I, I just crave it and I, I love mm. being here. Awesome. I know you said that when you were younger, uh, you accepted Christ as your Savior, you were baptized, but you didn't really grow much in your faith, and even though you had a faith, but now that's come alive and is fresh in your heart over these past few months, right? Past, past yes. year. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, fantastic. And so you desire to be a member of PCBC? You trust us? Absolutely. Come on, that's awesome. So we have a habit here that we receive new members, so we're going to do it online. If you receive Brother Reggie in our church as he has come through his profession of faith, he's been baptized, he'll be joining our church on this statement just say amen right there and wake your neighbors up with it right now. Just say amen. You're in, man. You're on. I'd shake your hand, but got the elbow. We want to pray for you. How long have you been an officer here in Oklahoma City? I just got my 20-year letter 20 last years. week. Holy cow. Thank you so much for your service, your dedication. I know you've dealt in all different divisions of the police department. You've had your life in harm's way more than one time, and uh, not just on Sunday mornings at PCBC. I know you had a little <laughs> bit tougher task out there among our citizens but thank you and and you represent our first responders you represent a number of folks right now that are on the front lines that are still engaging the public that are still out there uh, while many of us are trying to seclude at home you're still moving out and about and we thank you and want to pray over you and all of our first responders as you represent them would you be all right if i just pray with you real quick absolutely let's pray absolutely. together church let's pray 
Father God, I thank you for my brother. I thank you for Reggie. I thank you for all that he is, what he means to this fellowship of believers, what he means to our city, giving 20 years of his life to protect us and to be on the front lines. And Lord, so many men and women who dedicate their lives to do that every single day, many times uh, in thankless days, we take for granted many times those like Reggie that are pouring out their life for us to have the life we have. So God, I pray a hedge of protection around his health. I pray you keep him safe. I pray that you would continue to use him mightily among his uh, peers, that he would be a shining light to what it means to follow you, to serve you, and to serve our city. God, we look forward to what you're going to do in the days ahead, for we ask these things in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Let's give it up amen. for Brother Reggie. God bless you, Brother Reggie. We love you. We'll see you every Sunday and in between. God bless you. Take that with you if you want. Nope. Okay, feel free to leave it then. Bless you. Awesome. If you have your Bibles, you can start turning in your Bibles to Romans chapter 4. We'll pick up. Brother Sean was preaching out of the end of Romans chapter 3 last week. And we are clearly living in new days and new ways. We're learning new ways of uh, connecting with our world. I believe we have close to 600 households again viewing in. We've heard from people in Virginia. I know that Brother Sean's our online pastor today. He's been trying to figure out where everybody is the furthest Furthest out, and uh, Justin Gammon's in at Bethany, Oklahoma. He thinks he's the farthest out this morning. So, new ways, new days. We had a Wednesday night Bible study this last week that we incorporated a new technology, Zoom Bible study. It was a blessing to get that many Baptists into some new technology. Here's a cute little video clip that kind of simulates what some of us experienced last Wednesday. Laurelyn Sheffield found this, and it sure looked a lot like us. This past Wednesday. What's the sound? Da Dave. I can't. Your microphone can't is it's not on. Click on the button with the picture of the microphone. Every time a billing calls in, this happens. Hello. Hello. Well, now we can so hear annoying. you, but every we cannot uh, see. Every you. time. That's like talking to my parents. Was that your experience Wednesday night, or maybe you didn't get a chance to tune in? If you had a bad experience, or your audio wasn't working, or you couldn't get the video to cooperate. Give it another shot this Wednesday. We'll be online again at 6 p.m. We'll be doing the pastor's Bible study. If you already sent us your email, you're already on the distribution list. If you missed it and would like to join us this week, simply email me at bholse at pcbc.tv. We'll add you to the distribution list, and you'll get a link that you just click on, and you'll automatically be in the Zoom Bible study this Wednesday at 6 p.m. Well, let's dig into God's Word this morning. Chapter 4, the Apostle Paul, after he has taken the first three chapters to show that all of us have sinned, whether we were irreligious or, or we were people who were unrighteous, or if we were even religious people growing up, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now he comes to the good news, chapter 4, and begins to talk about this doctrine of justification. Justification is probably one of the most difficult spiritual doctrines that people wrestle with and struggle to understand. Let me give you a classic illustration from real life that kind of speaks to the spiritual struggle we have with justification. Many of you are familiar with Duncan Hines cake mixes. God bless Duncan Hines for coming up with the famous instant cake mix. When he first introduced this concept of going from old-fashioned baking to instant cake mixes, his product, you would think, would sell like hotcakes. And he found that he was having a hard time selling this product. As they began to do some market research, somebody 
came up with a brilliant marketing move and discovered that ladies in those days were not buying the cake mix because it made them feel like they were insignificant. It made them feel like they were cheating their families. And so somebody in his marketing team came up with a brilliant idea and said, let's add an egg to the mix. And so you can see on the back of the box now, every time you buy a cake mix, you add a little oil, you add a little water, you add that egg, and you have baked a cake. Well, no, you didn't really, but you think you did. You think that just by adding those ingredients, you had something to do with baking the cake. Well, that's a picture of how we approach our spirituality and our eternity. It's too good to be true that God would love me just by grace, that he did everything and I do nothing. Surely there's something I need to add in. Surely there's something I have to do to be saved. Multiple times in the New Testament, people would come to Jesus and say, Jesus, what must I do to be saved? And they had to learn the same lesson you and I need to learn, the same lesson that Paul is teaching in chapter 4, we can't do anything. We can't add anything to the recipe. The recipe is strictly Jesus, the righteous blood sacrifice of our Savior. So in chapter 3, Paul shoots down the argument that I'm justified before God because of my good works, maybe quitting doing the bad and starting to be better. He also shoots down the argument that you're right with God because you're a Jew, or in this case, maybe a Baptist or a Catholic or a Methodist. That it is in our religious pedigree that we are right with God, but we are made right with God through the substitutionary death, the sacrifice of the Son of God. And in that, we find that we are justified. There are some who might say today, well, I was raised in a Christian home. I, I, I must be a Christian. I've always been a Christian. That can't be the case. It isn't in a pedigree, and it isn't in overcoming our bad and starting to do good that we are justified. So Paul is going to hit his audience, and the same as it hits our audience today, right where it hurts the most. He's going to talk to them about their daddy. About their daddy. You remember when you were a little kid, and you would argue on the playground, and you'd always have the argument about whose daddy could whip who else's daddy? Because we couldn't whip each other, but we knew our daddy could take care of their daddy. Well, the Apostle Paul is going to do something very similar, but he's going to address the weakness of their daddy. Their father, their father was Abraham. And he's going to speak to what they believe justified them before God, that they were of the lineage of Abraham, that he was their daddy, and that that took care of everything, and that they had a pedigree of righteousness. Paul's going to address that. If you have your Bibles, let's look at verse 1, Romans chapter 4. Paul says, what then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found? He's going to take them back, and he's going to help them understand what the scriptures they had in those days, and the understanding they had of the promise given to Abraham, of what that promise really meant. Were they justified before God because they were part of his seed? The God who had made a promise to Abraham that his children would be children of faith, and so now they were right because of their daddy? Well, go to verse 2. He's going to point out that Abraham discovered according to his flesh, and what he discovered in his flesh becomes our lessons as well. Look at verse 2. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. Paul says, listen, if anybody should be able to boast, it should be Abraham. Abraham had many things that he could boast about. And if it was by his works that he was justified before God, he was somebody special because all of us have fallen short of the glory of God, including Abraham. 
and he would really have something to boast about, but he sure couldn't boast before God. Abraham might have lived a better life than I did, or a better life than you did. He might be able to boast that his good outweighed our good, and on the scale, he was a lot closer to God than we are. But Paul points out, in comparison to a holy God who is perfect, who is without sin, even Abraham falls short, and he had nothing to boast about before God. Abraham, as great as he might have been and might could have boasted before an almighty God, had to learn that he was spiritually bankrupt. Look at verse 3. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. I want you to underline that phrase, credited to him. We're going to come back and we're going to dig in deeper. We're going to go back and look at his story. We're going to look at the physical example of the spiritual truth that was painted in his lifetime and learn from his life what we need to learn for our lives. What does it mean that it was credited to him as righteousness? Well, hold your place here in Romans. Let's go back to Abraham's story. Let's go all the way back. Turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 1. Genesis chapter 15. So after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram, I am a shield to you. Boy, I loved reading that this week as I was putting the sermon together and being reminded that the Lord is our shield. That while we have social distancing and creating a six-foot shield around us, and while that is critically important and we need to do those things in this physical realm, we need a greater shield than even social distancing. We need a holy God to be our shield for our physical health, for our well-being emotionally and mentally, and certainly for our eternal well-being. And he said to Abram, I am a shield to you. What's the purpose of a shield? The purpose of a shield is to protect us. The purpose of a shield is that we can stand behind it, knowing that we are safe and that we're secure. It wasn't Abraham standing out all alone, and he wasn't safe because he was a strong man. He wasn't safe because he was Father Abraham. He was safe because he was behind a shield. And the shield was the Lord God. And he went on to say to Abram, I will be your reward. Your reward shall be very great. Abram had to learn that his reward didn't come from this earth, didn't come from Sarah, didn't come from anything that he could manufacture, that God would be the supplier of everything he would ever need. And what a great lesson for us today. Our government just passed a $2 trillion stimulus package. And while I'm thankful for what that will mean for people who are hurting right now, our government is not our provider. The church, as much as we want to minister in our community during this time and during these days, we can't ultimately be everyone's provider. But the Lord God is, and he is the one who rewards greatly. Look at verse 2. Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me, since I am childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, Since you have given me no offspring, no one born in my house can be my heir. Look at verse 4. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him. I hope that as maybe you're struggling in these days, just like Abram was struggling, he was looking at his life circumstances and he was hurting. He wanted an heir. He wanted a son. He wanted his family to expand and he was old. And he had lost out on the opportunity of childbirth. And he so greatly wanted to be blessed in that way could be that you're at home and maybe you're homebound or 
All of us are somewhat homebound in these days. Maybe you're hurting in your health. Maybe you've had to be laid off from work because of all the quarantining that's happening. And these are frightful times for you, difficult times for you as well. I pray that it would be in these days that the word of the Lord would speak to you. I pray that all of us would draw closer to hear his voice, to no longer be distracted by all the things of an economy or all the things of our culture, all the things of our personal lives, but that God would humble us and that he would get our attention just like he did Abram's and that we would hear a word from God. So behold, the word of the Lord came to Abram saying, this man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your very own body. He shall be your heir. And he took him outside and he said, Abram, look toward the heavens, count the stars, and if you're able to count them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And now we get to a key part of the story. Look at verse 6. Then Abram believed in the Lord. It was at this point that Abram goes from being Abram, a man of the flesh, to now becoming a man of faith. He placed his belief, not his head knowledge, he already believed in God in his head, but in this moment there's this transformation, like, much like what you heard from Reggie, a time where all of a sudden you came to understand, you aren't just the God of the Scriptures, you're my God. And in that moment he believed in the Lord. The Bible says God reckoned that to him as righteousness. So we look in on this story, there's a lot to learn from Abraham. We learn what it means to be a person of faith. We learn who God is. He's our shield. He's our provider. He is our sustainer. He's our strength. He is all these things. He is our rewarder. And when we believe in Him, when we place our faith and trust in Him, no matter what goes on in our world, no matter what all the circumstances say, God is bigger than all that. In this case, for Abram, his virus was he couldn't have children. He was way too old, and, and God is going to step into that problem. God's going to step into that opportunity, and God is going to do a miracle. And we do believe that God is a miracle-working God. We do believe that God is bigger than any, any circumstance that we face in our lifetime. We need to learn the same lesson that Abraham learned in this moment. And what was Abram's problem? He had no heir. And he had no heir because he was old and because Sarah was old. Her womb was dead but needed to come back to life. It was a physical picture of the spiritual reality of we're dead. We were dead spiritually because of our sin. And we too need life to become an heir of God. Well, we see Abraham's uh, response. I want you to see his wife's response. Go over to Genesis chapter 18. Flip over three chapters. Go to Genesis chapter 18 and verse 9. When we get all the way over to there, we see God working in Abraham's family. He's made a promise that, that Abraham will have children. As many as there are, the stars in the sky will be his descendants. We get to verse 9, and we find Sarah's response. Then they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? He said, she's there in the tent. He said, I will surely return to you at this time next year, and behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening at the tent door, which was behind him. Verse 11. And Abraham and Sarah, they were old, advanced in age. Sarah was way past childbearing. And Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I become old, shall I have pleasure? 
my Lord being Lord or being old also? We look in on Sarah's response, much different than Abraham's. Abraham believed God. Abraham allowed God to be bigger than his circumstances. Abraham allowed God to be God. Sarah was still being dominated by her circumstances. She knew how anatomy worked. She knew when the childbearing years were. She knew it was impossible to ever have children. So when she heard this God story, when she heard about this careless faith of her husband, that he was going to have a child in their elderly age, she laughed within herself. You know, we can make fun of Sarah at this moment. We can kind of laugh with her, if you will. It'd be pretty overwhelming in your 80s to be told you're about to have a child. I get it. She laughed within herself. How many times do we laugh within ourselves? How many times do we laugh off God? How many times do we laugh off the impossible and limit God and place Him in a box? But how many of us are willing to believe that with God all things are possible? In verse 13 it goes on and says, And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Notice that God knew everything about Abraham. He knew everything about Sarah. And he noticed that Sarah was doubting and not believing. So he asked Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Saying, shall I indeed bear a child when I am so old? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Now what have I taught you when God asks a question in Scripture? What are we supposed to do? Anytime we see God asking a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer, and it's not because he needs information. That's why we ask questions. So why does God ever ask a question? Because we need to know more answers. We need to see deeper. And so I want you to stop at verse 14 for just a moment. I want to ask you to place yourself in that question. And right now, I don't know, I know what most of us are going through, but I don't know exactly what you're going through, what's happening in your family life, in your personal life. And I wonder if there's something inside of you that has the spirit of Sarah. You said, no, this is too difficult. This is even too difficult for God. Is there anything too difficult in your life that God can't handle? Well, for Sarah, there was a moment. There, there was a time. And this was a great question that she had to wrestle with that we all need to wrestle with. But let's make sure that we're not like Sarah Sarah, who was over 80 years old, she laughed at it. She mocked God in it. It was too big of a problem that even God couldn't take care of. Now, how do we know that Sarah didn't believe like Abraham? Well, if you look at this, we know that she didn't believe God because if, like I said earlier, any 80-year-old woman had found out she was going to have a baby, she wouldn't be laughing. I promise you, she'd be crying in that very moment. That would be overwhelming for anybody in her shoes. Well, what do we do? What do we do when we're facing things that are too difficult for us, too difficult for our government, too difficult for us to even comprehend how God could move in such a time like this? Well, let me take you back through biblical history. And these aren't just stories of the Bible. These are stories that literally happened in human history. Does it seem foolish that God can bring life to that which is dead? Ask Lazarus that question. I think Lazarus would tell you there's nothing too difficult for God. Is it, does it seem foolish that God could split the Red Sea? We looked at this recently on our Wednesday night Zoom Bible study. And when we saw Israel, they couldn't go any further. They were trapped against the Red Sea. And here was Pharaoh crashing in. It was too difficult for them to fight the army. And yet God delivered them. He was their shield. He was their defender. He was their provider. 
just ask Israel. It may seem foolish to a shepherd boy that with a simple slingshot and a simple stone, he could defeat a giant in the land. And yet ask David if there's anything too difficult for God. So wrestle with that this morning. And don't let the enemy lie to you and say that this situation in your life, in our city, in our nation, or in this world, is too difficult for our God. As we go on in the rest of the story, we see Abraham being blessed by God, even in difficult times. We find God stepping in and God blessing Abraham. And did he bless Abraham because Abraham was more special than anybody else in the land? Did he bless Abraham because he was a man of prayer? Because he was a, a moral man? If you go and study the life of Abraham, he was a liar. He was a cheater. He was just like us. He has also sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He wasn't blessed because of his works. And that's the whole argument that Paul's making. Abraham wasn't some superhero that was Superman. And because you have his DNA in you, as he speaks to the Jews, you also are super spiritual. No, we all need God in our lives. We all need to be saved. And that comes as we believe in him, just like Abraham did. So let's go back to Romans Go back to where you were holding your spot. Romans chapter 4, look at verse 3. Look at the last part of verse 3. Paul reminds his audience that it wasn't because he was a good man that he was righteous before God. He was actually an unrighteous man who believed in a righteous God. And it was, look at what it says, and God reckoned to him his righteousness. That word reckoned or credited is that same word that we might call imputed. It's an accounting term that is used to explain a reality. If something is imputed to another individual, it's the assets of a different individual that is then passed on to an heir. It is imputed to them. It is passed on to them. What was not theirs becomes theirs. They didn't earn it. They didn't deserve it. They inherit the assets of another. The Apostle Paul is going to talk about what it means to have credited to our account, we who are unrighteous, the righteousness of God. Paul would talk about this in other places in Scripture. I'll put this up on the screen for you so you don't have to turn all through the Bible. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, talks about this very same uh, concept of imputed righteousness. Look at it. Galatians 3, 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave or free man. There is neither male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. In other words, what Paul is saying here is it doesn't matter about your pedigree. It doesn't matter about your anatomy. It doesn't matter where you come from, which side of the tracks or which other side of the tracks. It is not based on anything to do with you who you are, who you've been. It has everything to do with Christ Jesus. We are one in Christ. Verse 29. And even if you belong to Christ, if you belong to Christ, then and only then are you Abraham's descendants, heirs according to promise. 
Here we find the Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians, the same thing he was wrestling with in Romans chapter 4, was reminding them, just because you are in the family tree of Abraham doesn't make you a descendant of faith. You have to come to Christ. All must believe. Today, if you're viewing in and you think because you've grown up in church, because you went to summer camp, because you went to vacation Bible school, or because you've even been baptized, that that is what makes you right with God, you've missed out on true justification. It's only being an heir through the promise that was delivered on a cross in the person of Jesus. Look at this verse. It's on the screen as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 says, But by his doing... You are in Christ Jesus, who became to us, who became to us. Christ became this for us. He imputed to us, look at this, wisdom from God, righteousness, circle that. I am the righteousness of God, not because I am a righteous person, but because I am a child of the righteous God, and His righteousness has been imputed to me. I am righteous. He became to us righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. We have to understand there's nothing we can do to earn it. We can't add anything to the recipe. We have to just simply understand Jesus paid it all, Jesus did it all, and through Christ I can be one with God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 illustrates it beautifully. And I want you to see this. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 21. The Bible says God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin. Now, he knew about sin. He saw sin. He left his throne in heaven because he knew about sin. But it says here he knew no sin. It means he was without sin. He was God in the flesh, holy, righteous. Righteous means without sin. He knew no sin. But God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become, look at this, the righteousness of God in him. Last week, uh, Brother Sean gave a powerful illustration using a sheet of paper. I'd like to do something similar today that just kind of builds off of what he shared even last Sunday. What we know about us and what Romans 1 through 3 has been pointing out and reminding whether we are born in this world, faithless and not in a Christian family or religious family, or perhaps maybe even if you were, what we come to understand is all of us are unrighteous. Now the word righteous, as I said earlier, means without sin. If there is sin in my life, no matter how big, no matter how small, if there's sin in your life, we all qualify for this. We are unrighteous. What we know about Christ is he left that throne in heaven. He took on flesh, became a man, but he knew no sin. He was without sin. He never sinned, even though he was tempted in all ways yet without sin. And so that uniquely distinguishes him as righteous. Righteous means without sin, perfect and holy. Here we find in 2 Corinthians 5.21, the one who knew no sin was nailed to a cross. An innocent man who did nothing wrong was hung with other unrighteous men who had done plenty wrong. That's why they crucified people in Jesus' day. They were criminals. They were sinners. They had violated the laws of man and laws of the land. Jesus has not broken a law, and yet the righteous Jesus hung on a cross in my place. And the one who knew no sin 
took our sin upon himself. And my unrighteousness and your unrighteousness, he bore that in his body. He paid the price for our sin. For the wages of sin is death, and Jesus became that. And the Bible says the one who knew no sin became and took on our sin. Our sin was laid on Jesus. And in that moment, the perfect substitute paid the perfect price for all unrighteousness. And in that, the Bible says, because of that act, because the price was paid in full, Jesus was able to say from the cross, it is finished. And in that moment, the righteousness of Christ was imputed to me, perhaps to you, if like Abraham, you have believed in him. You see, I'm not righteous because I'm a pastor of a Baptist church. I'm not righteous because I quit doing bad. I'm righteous because Jesus has saved me. And I have placed all my faith in what he did for me on the cross and what he does in me now as I invite him in to be my Lord and Savior. If you've never done that, the Bible says you are still in your unrighteous sin. And that unrighteousness separates you from the righteousness of God. There is a separation. And the only way that you can ever come to have a relationship with God is for this to be paid for on a cross. And you must believe, not in your head, but in your heart. And when you believe, like Abraham, you're turned into a new person. He went from being Abram to Abraham. I went from being Bill, lost in my sin, to now being a righteous child of God. Not because of anything I did, not even because of my faith. Because I placed my faith in Him, He rewarded me with a new life and with eternal life. Has that happened for you? Is that your story? Do you know that part of Jesus, or do you just know about Him? Don't be like Sarah right now and laugh it off. Don't Listen in to these promises that you can be the righteousness of God. And say, there's nobody righteous. That doesn't work. Yes, it does for those who believe. Scripture tells us, to all who believe in Him, to them He gives the right to become the children of God. If you are a child of God right now, would you take just a moment and say, thank you, Jesus. Just bow your heads right where you are. Maybe you're there with your family. Maybe you're there all alone. But God had you tune in this morning. Or tune in, perhaps you're watching this later, and maybe it's, late in the evening or late in the afternoon. What matters is, is that you're tuning in and that God is speaking to you. And I want you to take just a moment, if you truly, genuinely, there's been a time in your life, just like Reggie, just like me, and you came to realize, I can't save myself. I need the righteous forgiveness of God. I believe in you, Jesus, that you are the Son of the living God. I believe, Lord, that you died for me on the cross. Lord, I receive you into my heart. If you have made that life-changing decision, thank God that he made you a new person. But if that hadn't happened for you, and if the word of God is pounding on your heart right now, and you have questions about, am I really forgiven? Am I right with God? Then right now, right now, nail it down. Right now, right now, the Bible says today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow, not when you're out of quarantine, not when this pandemic is cleared. Right now, today is the day of salvation. 
That day that Abram heard the word of God, he believed in that moment. He didn't believe a year later. He didn't believe 10 years later. He believed in that very moment, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Is that you this morning? Is God calling you to be his child? Then believe in your heart. You say, Pastor, how do I do that? The Bible says you call on his name. You confess your sin. The Bible says when we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness and to cleanse us of all of that and make us brand new. 2 Corinthians 5 tells us that while we were separated from a holy God, he reconciled us back to God through Christ Jesus. You can be one with God today as you trust in his son, Jesus. Would you believe? Believe with me right now by just praying. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, you can pray that out loud. You can pray that from your heart to his and say, Dear Lord Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner. And Lord, I know I can't save myself. Lord, today I cry out to you and I ask you to save me. I believe not just in my head, but today I believe in my heart that you are the only way, you're the only truth, and you are my life. I open the door of my heart and I invite you in. Thank you for making me a new person. And I will give you my praise in Jesus' name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, it is credited to you that you are now the righteous heir, that you are now a child of a holy God. And I want you to reach out to our online pastor. Click on that chat box. Uh, send us an email if you can't find the chat box. Email me at bholse, B-H-U-L-S-E, at pcbc.tv. Or in that chat box, tell Pastor Sean, I prayed to trust Christ this very moment. I've made Jesus my Lord. If you're watching this later, you'll have to email us. Please email us. We'd love to get you some literature and help you know what it means to be a child of a holy God. Well, I thank you for tuning in this morning, for being part of our worship. Uh, we've already done the offering earlier. If you didn't get a chance to do that, please help us meet uh, the different budgetary needs we have during this time. We want to continue to pay uh, the staff that are part of the church, those who are part of our learning tree, school. We want to continue to provide ministry to our community and, and help people who are struggling in these days. And we can only do that together through our stewardship. If you have questions on how to do that online, you can reach out to us. We'll help you. You can call us this week when the office is open from 10 to 2. You can drop your offering off if you'd like, Monday through Thursday, 10 to 2. Let me pray for us as we're dismissed this morning. Father God, thank you again for being the life-giving, sin-forgiving God that you are. And Lord, I'm thankful that you didn't leave us in our sin and in our unrighteousness, but you, righteous God, came to this unrighteous earth, and you took on all the unrighteousness of man in your body on a cross. You died in our place so that we might have imputed to us your righteousness. Lord, may we not taint that. May we not neglect that. May we not take it for granted. May we not tarnish it with foolish living. But Lord, surrendered lives that allow you to be Lord, Lord of our hearts, Lord of our minds, Lord of our witness. I pray a rich blessing on each and every person who's worshiping right now with us online. God, I pray that you would be their great rewarder, that you would be their shield from this virus that lives in this world today. 
but more importantly, the shield to the virus that lives in our hearts called sin. Lord, may we honor you and testify of you in these days. For we ask all this in Jesus' precious name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Tune in this week. Go to our webpage. You can find a number of different ways to join us in continued Bible study throughout the week. Remember this, God loves you and so do we. Thank you for spending time with our church family. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, visit us online at pcbc.tv. There you can also contact us and find out how to connect with us through social media channels. And visit pcbc.tv slash podcast to listen to additional messages from Putnam City Baptist Church.